I used to get very affected with what people were saying. But I think it's a skill you've got to learn, especially if you're ambitious, because any single time you try and reach a place where you become visible to other people, there are going to be some people who want to be in your place but can't for whatever other reason. And they're going to hit you for it. And that's on them, but it should not affect you. There are going to be other people who have a very, very specific idea of how something should be. And they're going to hate you for being there if you don't fit that idea, right? And I think this is not just limited to pageants. Like at any point, even in politics, for example, it's not that somebody knows you as a person. They just like or dislike what you're doing in the position that you have based on their preferences, right? So I think it was terrible when it was happening, but it was such a good like life lesson for me that you need to have decided who your people are and who you're going to take blatant criticism from and who you're going to ignore. Because a lot of times what people are saying about you is not on you, it's on them because they're feeling all sorts of things that are not in your control. Hello everyone, my name is Dean Long and welcome to the podcast Lifeline. In this podcast, I will interview people who are having a positive impact in their community and have a strong message that deserves to be shared. We will dive deeper into their journey becoming a change maker and hopefully you can take away some insights for your own journey. And please do subscribe to Lifeline on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or any platform that you are using. And also you can share this episode with your friends if you like it. It's really what helps me the most. In this episode, you will be meeting Shan, a gender, climate and youth empowerment advocate who was selected as Miss Earth India in 2017. We discuss about her life-changing experience with Stitch for India, where she discovers the education crisis of her country. We discuss about her transition being a model to live her childhood dream and how she earned her title of Miss Earth India. She walks us through her journey exploring climate action, social entrepreneurship, and now gender equality. She shares with us everything that she learned along the way and also her plans for the future. Hello, Shan. Kese ho? I'm good. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, so yeah, uh, super happy to have you, Shan, on Lifeline uh, for the story we met in Bangkok after Linka that I interviewed in the first episode connected us because she was like, oh, you guys, you need to meet because you have one thing in common, which was uh, Jagriti Yatra. So I will not spoil what is the Jagriti Yatra because I'm sure you will speak about it. Um, and yeah, and then we were supposed to go to Vietnam together to facilitate a program with APYA. Yes, I just went... Event was cancelled, uh, so I sent you some uh, Instagram stories. Um, but yeah, let's do this one day uh, if we can. But then, yeah, now we got reunited again for APYE Online. Um, but yeah, so our paths keep crossing each other. Um, so yeah, so good to have you today. And um, yeah, like I... So I know that you are doing so many things from... Yeah, I don't want to spoil but so many things uh, when I was preparing I was like, like no, uh, writing down everything that you do well, oh my god I need 10 hours to interview Shan uh, but anyway let's try to see how far we can go um, yeah so 
Maybe we can just start very simply. Uh, if you can introduce a bit yourself, where you come from, and uh, like very briefly what you are doing currently. I'm just smiling from year to year right now with that kind of an introduction that you gave for me, where you think you need to introduce me for introduce me for ten hours or interview me for ten hours. Um, but um, let's see. This is slightly uh, difficult for me introducing myself. But if I were to briefly put everything together. Um, I have been. Um, I'm a graduate in filmmaking and media and communication, and I have been a teacher, trainer, facilitator, model, beauty queen, filmmaker. Um, in the past few years, I don't know if I missed something, but uh, yeah, I have. Um, I think one thing I'm really proud of is that I've been able to do a lot of different things and gain skills from everything that I have done so far. Um, I come from India, um, and I live in Central India right now because of the pandemic. I've come back home to my parents. Um, yeah, that's I think a good starting point for us. So, from all the words that you just said, uh, which one did you start with in your life? In terms of work experience, in, in terms of starting my career, so I finished my filmmaking degree, and I. In the last month of my degree, before people look for jobs, um, there was this woman who came to campus um, to talk about uh, her NGO. So we had the founder of this NGO called Teach for India, who came in and she spoke about the educational crisis in India. And um, I had decided that after college, I was going to join the media industry in terms of either um, my first. Um, aspiration was to become a wildlife documentary filmmaker um but it's not easy to do that it requires a lot of training a lot of patience um it is very different from anything that you learn in filmmaking for industries and so um in terms of something financially lucrative i thought i'll start my career from either working with um media companies like say mtv that's one of the places that i interned at um or that i would assist on a movie um because you know bollywood is huge everybody knows about it so i thought you know that's the path i was going to take but this woman came in and she spoke about um how there are students and children in our country and so many of them so at that point of time i think the number was 320 million children in india don't have access to um a quality education and many of them um either drop out of school and there were really when she gave this presentation she spoke about a lot of stark numbers she also said that only 10% of indians um graduate high school and so in that one hour everything changed for me um i thought about my education i thought about where i came from um all the statistics that she talked about um and the work that they do everything that she talked about really resonated with me and in that moment i um while the presentation was going on was reflecting upon my life and why i was sitting in the room that i was sitting in because the college that i studied in was uh one of the best colleges for filmmaking in my country and i just thought so how has that happened how am i here how did i make it here like did i do something extraordinary to be here and the truth is no i i hadn't done something extraordinary i just followed a path that since the beginning um was defined for me by my parents or you know other children my friends um so it was just a it was such a taken for granted thing that yeah everybody goes to school and everybody goes to college so i've got to figure that out for myself but i think this was the first time that 
I thought about how this is not a reality for a majority of this country. And so that really moved me. Um, I don't know what took over me. After that presentation, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I went back home. I looked at their application. Um, and I just went in and I um, thought, and the questions in the application are very reflective. Like you have to think about your life and the challenges in your life and why you're applying. Um, and I just, I filled the application and I, I didn't know whether I would get in. It's a highly selective uh, fellowship only. I think uh, seven to 10% of people get selected every year. And so I didn't know if I would make it, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm feeling very strongly about this. I should go ahead and apply. Um, they had a long selection process. Um, and after that, I got selected. So I was very happy. Um, I didn't fully grasp what I had signed up for at that point of time. And uh, uh, the next thing I knew, we trained for six weeks um, in the city called Pune in India. And uh, after that, in this training, we just learned like what education encompasses and how, because we are not trained, everyone who goes into the fellowship, most of us are not trained teachers. We don't have a degree in education. Um, so in those six weeks, we learned how to teach and we taught a class, like a mock class where there were children and we had to kind of understand how we are working, get feedback from our managers. Um, six weeks later, I was um, placed in a school in one of the um, largest slums in India, um, in Malvani in Mumbai. So um, I picked up everything, all of my stuff, and I moved to Mumbai. And uh, I, it was also my first job, right? So at that point of time, I was like, okay, so my first job, so I'm not going to take any money from home. I'm not going to ask for any money from anyone. And Mumbai is an incredibly expensive city to live in, um, especially for like Indian standards. It's crazy. The rent is typically like um, more than people's salary when they're starting off. And so, and so um, I basically called back home and my parents were like, okay, but you were studying the media. Like, how are you teaching now? What is happening? But they were still very supportive. They were like, okay, like if this is, if you've thought, of, thought this through, then go ahead and do it. But I was like, okay, I'm not going to take any money from home. And the fellowship stipend, um, even though it's a fantastic opportunity, is quite low. Um, and I looked at a lot of places to live in and everything was over my budget. Like forget food and uh, transport. Like I couldn't even pay for my rent. So eventually what happened is that I looked at a slum rehabilitation building um, and the prices of that building were lower because um, there's just a sense of like community people who have actually lived in the slums at some point also reside in that building. And I was like, you know what, like if I've taken up this challenge, I'm going to like live wherever, whatever I can afford in. Um, so I'm not going to look for like a good place for myself. I'm just going to live like I need a roof over my head. I'm going to work really hard at school. So I moved into a slum rehabilitation building and it's definitely like one of those experiences that completely changed who I am and how I think and um, gave me like on ground experience of what it means, like what education means in India and what are the loopholes and what are the other sectors that affect education in the classroom. Um, I taught 75 children um, in an under-resourced, underserved, low-income government school. When you say 75 children in the same classroom? Yes, in the same classroom. Oh. I did have a co-teacher, but while we were teaching, like only one person could be in the class. So um, I taught English and um, science to my children. My co-teacher taught and social sciences. Um, and I also taught arts and whatever else I was interested in because I wanted to bring more of me into the classroom. 
but when you're and I was 21 at this time, so when you're 21 and you have to and and there's 75 kids who are watching you, it's just a lot of it's a lot of pressure, um, and you have to just be sure of what you're saying. You have to be sure of how you're behaving because they will learn things from you, um, consciously or unconsciously. And so um, I taught these children, but I think one of the one of the most grounding parts, grounding um, sections of the experience is just the fact that you're not your work is not limited to teaching the two subjects. Your work is um, also to understand why some students are struggling in your classroom. Now, in I was teaching a fourth grade classroom, um, but the difficulty was that when I entered that fourth grade classroom, there were some children who were not even at a level where they spoke basic English um, or knew how to, um, you know, identify each letter or know the phonetics. They mm. couldn't. And then there were some kids who were at fourth grade level. So there was a whole range that I was teaching. And so it was very difficult to kind of understand how do I give instruction in English, um, but also make sure that those who don't know how to read, how do I build that um, capability in them? Uh, we were also asked to get to know the families of these children. So after school, we used to go and meet the families just to understand like if a child is struggling in the classroom, is it because of the subject or because there's something going on at home? that is really affecting this child um so it could be and i and i realized that you know we we tell a lot of our teachers that you know you're not doing enough that's why kids are not performing but the truth is that your kid could not be performing because he's not having enough nutrition your could could kid could not be performing because there's something going on at home there could be violence or abuse or they could just i mean it could also be like a breakup in a relationship within the family right these are difficult things for children to grasp um, it could also be the lack of other opportunities, no incentives, um, nothing that excites the child. And so there were so many different things affecting the learning in the classroom. And this is something that I didn't consciously realize um, before that, because it's very easy. I think, especially in India, I think the mindset is that you teach if you don't get any other job or you teach if you, um, you know, don't know how to do anything else. or you're not great at anything else that you're teaching in some spaces. That is the mindset. And um, it was a very humbling experience to know that it's very easy to go and criticize a teacher while the teacher is actually responsible for so much more than just teaching the subjects that they have to teach. So yeah, that, that was my first year of experience. Um, I did a lot more in the fellowship, but like you said, it's going to take 10 hours. Yeah. So I'm going to stop here. <laughs> when did you realize that your role as teacher was more than just teaching your subjects? Since the very first day, I think. Um, Number one, since it was my first job, obviously, like I knew it was going to be difficult, but it was beyond difficult. And it was very challenging because um, it was very different from the education I had had. So in the very first day, like meeting the other teachers of the school or meeting the children or their parents who were very eager to know who the new teacher in the class is. Um, the very first day I realized that it was not going to be easy because the way I studied in an all girls convent school, which was, which had strict rules. We followed the rules. Um, I had opportunities that I took part in, but it was a very disciplined environment where even if you had like 50 students in a classroom, it was very easy to manage that classroom because we knew what the norms were. We knew why we were there. Um, but when I entered this classroom, like that sense of, Oh, you know, my education is important and I need to focus was just not there, uh, not with kids, mm -hmm. not with the parents. 
and so we had to start from scratch saying that you know this is not a this is not just a add on to your life it's actually a very important part of your life and investing parents into also with um you know girl children just saying that girls have to come to school like you can't just keep them at home to do the chores of the house um there are so many struggles that low income families go through um sometimes it's about how do you get food on the table so obviously that takes precedence over sending your child to school right and so just having like many many conversations was important so i knew since the first day that it was not it was not like a typical school that i studied in and i had to unlearn a lot of things to be able to teach there and so i'm wondering as teacher like if when you realize that for example like like some kids don't go to school because they don't have or cannot focus because they don't have like enough food to eat what can you do as a teacher i mean in in that situation um i think it's uh, for for me as a teacher like of course i had boundaries i couldn't go and tell the parents that you know like um stop doing whatever you're doing and like just send your children to school and get the money from somewhere because it's not as easy as that but my job as a teacher was definitely to have multiple conversations with them understand where they're coming from and say that i think this was a debate about okay you're sending your boy to school but you're not sending your girl to school because you think that she can go ahead and help you in cleaning someone's house or um in the work that you're doing but what's actually happening is that your girl's also going to have the same life as you are if you don't give her education so her earning potential or her potential to be independent and earn a livelihood depends a lot on her education at this this point but you're taking that away if you're telling her that you know she belongs in a house to do like extra things or go to work with the mom and so my job was to have those conversations and um i think it helped that i was also a female role model in the um school because in that position i could say that you know it was never about telling parents that you're wrong it was always about yes like this is a very difficult situation uh, but i am where i am because my parents let me like educate myself mm-hmm. obviously the scenarios are very different and it's it's never black and white um but i think um what i was able to do and these changes take a lot of time they don't happen overnight it's not like you've had one conversation and the parents like completely convinced that yes they should send their girl to school that never happens it's never that transformational but i think you um plan to see it in their head um and you keep having these conversations and if they see value in in you as a person um and in what you've done then maybe there's a chance that you know they they might have a change of mind and they might consider being more invested in someone's education um so yeah i think we tried doing that i wouldn't say that in the two years i was a fellow that i was able to completely transform everybody's way of thinking um or that i learned every all the challenges that they were going through but at least um i think it was a start when i was working with them i see so yeah no super interesting and um so you stayed two years there yeah the fellowship was uh, only for two years yeah okay so so yeah so i i mean it's interesting because you you were studying uh you wanted to be a filmmaker then you had this sort of you know aha moment when i mean you you said it's like the first time you questioned a bit the path that you are taking and then you switched to education in very grassroots i guess community and now that the, so you are in this new world where that, i mean i guess you love it and the fellowship comes to to an end so what what do you tell yourself Um I at the end of the fellowship I actually wasn't very sure which part so I knew as a skill 
teaching um was not something i was exceptionally good at um there were some things that i could still learn but it also wasn't something that teaching as in like just learning about subjects and delivering that content in the classroom was not something that i saw myself doing in the long run um especially for like primary school children um and i had to think of like where do i fit in the education landscape because there's so many things that you can do within education this was my first experience plus of course like once you end the fellowship there's no um compulsion that you have to stay in the education sector uh basically uh what happens is that for example if i study filmmaking i could have very easily um decided that you know i've done my part i've taught for 2 years the fellowship is over now i'm going to go ahead and go back to filmmaking but in those 2 years i'd also kept in touch with all of my classmates who were in the film industry and i'd heard of their experience and what they liked or disliked and i realized that with the kind of person i am maybe working in the media industry directly wasn't what i wanted to do um i was still interesting in interested in making films but independently um i was not interested in working because my friends were working in those places so i knew what the culture was like um i knew what what the struggles were what the achievements were like and i uh, at that point of time didn't feel like i wanted to invest time and energy into it i applied for a job within teach for india um and i stayed with them for two more years because i was like okay so i have gone through this experience i've learned so much um how do i give give back but also um from a personal like growth perspective i'd grown so much in the fellowship that i thought that now that i'm actually going to get into a job um i might as well continue working with this organization and see how i can grow so i i, I applied within teach for india and my role was um to work with the alumni of the fellowship so um trying to understand like what education spaces uh do our alumni want to go into uh, what kind of jobs uh what kind of um organizations they want to set up in the future so that was the first year and the second year uh my manager realized that of course like i done filmmaking so he realized my strengths in communication and storytelling um and because it was a very new team the alumni team um i had the opportunity to become the communications point person and so i traveled um across the cities where teach for india was existing in india so it was um it's seven cities in india but i traveled to three or four cities to just um make short documentaries on the lives of people who had you know left their um high paying jobs or their previous um experiences to work in the community so there were a lot of people like i said most of us were not trained as teachers but there were a lot of people who decided to stay in the education space after um the fellowship so i um sat down with my manager and picked some of these who these people were and then went in um and we didn't have a lot of e- equipment or budget at that point of time so i was like no i can still do it so i took a dslr like a semi professional dslr and i took one of the headphones like earphones the normal phone earphones um and i chopped off the earphone part and just kept the microphone <laughs> and i would clip it with a bobby pin onto whoever was speaking because we didn't have the equipment at that point of time but i was very determined i'll, I'll actually record these stories so i created i think around seven documentaries at that point of time along with whatever communications um like graphic design or, or any communication that had to go out to the um uh, uh rest of the alumni network as well as social media so that's what i was managing in the next 2 years 
Okay. So, yeah, it's like, you know, you, you close the loop, so you come back. Yes, I did. In, in, in I did. It was, it was a great, it was a great time. I had a great, um, inspiring time just recording the videos of these individuals, specifically just trying to understand their motivation of why they would not probably go back to the job that they had before or um, in some cases they had they didn't even know like where the money was going to come from but they were like very sure that they wanted to work with the community one of the stories that i recorded was of a woman in uh, mumbai and she basically after the fellowship started working with the mothers of the children to teach them um, some skills like uh, with paper and cloth and then started making products from those and um, started selling that out the profits that they made from the sales they were um that went directly to the mothers of the children and in this entire uh, story she also helped these women understand how to save how to you know the banking system how to uh, save up and these women started funds for their children for their higher education so it was such a um, incredibly powerful story to learn about um, but also like record and then edit and share it to the rest of the community that yeah it was um yeah i wouldn't trade that experience for anything that was amazing yeah it, for me it, it looks like teach for india is a sort of very long incubator you know you spend two years really understanding the problem and then from what you understood you like i mean this woman she, she started to work with the parents you wanted to continue in this sector yeah i guess you can i think the fellowship is designed in a way and it gives you such a grounding experience and especially if you're just out of college like it really changes the way that you think or how you thought the world actually works like it changes all of that and so you can you can definitely get out of teach for india but you can't get the teach for india out of you um <laughs> and that's i think i think a lot of people will resonate with this um so yeah i think um it still exists like whatever i learned in many ways in the way that i function it still exists in the way i work today even though i'm not working directly with the organization so so you decided to leave after four years or yes. what <laughs> um this was more from a personal growth and um significance place i teach for india is also a very is, is a place that teaches you to reflect a lot and this is about yourself about your classroom about the children you're teaching about the community that you work with and in this once you build the habit of reflecting i think um there came a time where i thought of like what are the things that i wanted to do um and one of them um was enter like a beauty pageant um i don't like to say the word beauty too much but i like to say pageant because i wanted to enter a pageant mostly because um growing up in india in the 90s i think uh, the women who won and there were quite a few from india at that point of time um they became role models and like inspirations overnight um and everybody looked up to them growing up i looked up to them growing up um and it just opened the kind of doors that you wouldn't imagine anything else opening for you um it also and and plus these women were so poised and they spoke so well there was such good good influences on other people that i think it was at the back of my head and being in a media college um i was our college my college was actually placed right next to a design college like fashion design um industrial design either way so they had fashion shows and because i was one of the taller women in my class i used to like just go and participate in those 
um and i was not groomed at all as a person that kind of time but i just had so much fun with the music and the you know walking on stage so i used to really like doing that and so by the fourth year um i realized like i seriously wanted to do this because by this time i think i was 23 years old or 20 no actually 24 years old ab- about this time um and i was like okay so pageant has a deadline um so they have a deadline at around 25 26 27 years so there are different pageants in the world and some of them for example if you've heard of miss world and miss universe um they have a age you know cut off by 25 26 and i was like if i don't do it now then i'm never doing it right um and so in the in my last year of peach for india um i had made up my mind that you know i want to at least go and audition and see what happens um and i had had no experience in you know walking in heels or putting on makeup or i don't have i didn't have role models at home whoever did that um so i have an elder sister and my mom both of them were just never interested they're very simple people and never put on any makeup like growing up except for if they were going for a wedding and the only makeup we owned at home was for my um my dance performances because i was learning classical dance growing up so that's the kind of household i grew up in so this was a very alien space for me um but i still wanted to do it like in my head it was like i would regret it if i don't um so i went in 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 my last year of teach for india i i went into a pageant uh, i went and got a pageant coach for myself uh, she's a very renowned pageant coach um and she was in the same city that i was working in so i was like you know i'm going to give this some time and i went and i coached under her for a month and she took us through you know everything about what is required to be in a pageant how do you speak how do you smile how do you walk how do you it's it's really interesting cuz and i laughed a lot on this particular day when uh, we were practicing how to smile cuz it's such a weird thing when you think about it right <laughs> like the fact that you have to practice how to smile yeah. on stage <laughs> um it's hilarious uh, but yeah i think these are like really important things because i think in pageants like you're photographed all the time and you don't want a picture in which you look like a really mean person So 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 to to come back on this but so you, you I, I guess what you say is you need to be able to like have a fake smile which doesn't look fake or how I wouldn't say it's a fake smile but it's like if you're representing yourself in front of a lot of different people like when you're on stage you should have a pleasant personality so I wouldn't say it's a fake smile but also because it's a responsibility and you want to um you want to present as, as yourself as someone who's approachable you want to present yourself as someone who people can look up to right so in terms of and and this happens i think every any single person who has reached you know a higher position in their work or whatever um like as such they have they have pr teams and stylists for the purpose that you know they look presentable to the outside world it's not natural i wouldn't say that smiling on stage for like 2 hours is a natural thing to do but it i think it comes with the um responsibility of you know either competing or winning the title because you're kind of playing a role it's a job at the end of the day and yeah i think like it's very disorienting when you think that somebody will practice smiling but what happens is that once you smile for 2 hours your jaw is like okay i don't want to do it anymore um uh, so you you've got to take breaks but without um seeming mean or um uh, like you have a problem with somebody else on stage or whatever so so <laughs> this is this is really funny but i went through this training and i learned a lot so i think i wasn't very groomed as a person in terms of how i 
present myself or how i speak with to people um and even though like these skills are very specific to pageants i think some of them are very relevant to anyone anywhere anytime and um at that point in time time when i came out of the training i thought to myself that even if this doesn't work out at least i've learned something that i'll use no matter what happens um i went for a couple of auditions in my last year at teach for india and they didn't go very well i got selected for a few of them but then got rejected at a later round and then my last audition while i was still at teach for india um i went for the audition and uh i got selected for like the in the first few rounds of selection this was a, this was just one audition so they selected a few people and then a few people and then they rejected some and it kept happening and i reached to the end before um they selected the people who were to go to nationals and it was between me and another girl and so they selected the other girl and they didn't select me and so at this point of time i was like you know what like i've done uh three or four of these um and i i should go and ask them like what's wrong and what i can do better because obviously i don't have too much time um so i went and i asked them and one of the judges were like was like really uh, she was very sweet but she very blatantly like told me that you know when you speak like it, your mouth looks really rough like you look really rough as a person and it's a kind of feedback which can really mess with you because <laughs> and i just want to be honest because it's i'm i'm out of pageantry now but i just want to be honest about this um I came back home and I kept looking at my teeth for like the next 2 hours and I was like what is wrong with my face and then over the next 2 days um I found 100 things wrong with me and so um it's a kind of like feedback that they give you because I think they also know people are unforgiving in like a pageant like if they don't like the way you look they can literally like not like you as a person um and at that point of time obviously like it was a very hard hitting like feedback i was like okay this is a part of my face what do you want me to do <laughs> um and i came back and initially like i felt very insecure about myself i felt oh my god what am i going to do um i i don't know how i should proceed uh from here and so i called up home and i said you know what like i'm feeling very insecure and i don't want to do this anymore um i don't want to be like in a pageant because I don't know what I can do about like my teeth um or my jaw in any way and I called back home and I said that you know I'm just going to go back and focus on my job now um and my mom on the other side of the line she said do you think that just the fact that you know this judge said that it was only your teeth like do you think that's the only thing like do you think you're giving your best apart from whatever your the feedback that you received today and then she said that this is something that you always wanted to do um and it's totally fine if you want to go back to your job but you've just gone for like two or three of these auditions so far um and you've gone through one month of training right so do you since there's a deadline at 27 do you want to give up now and then at 27 think oh what if i had gone for a pageant and maybe i would have won maybe i would have auditioned again or do you want to like give you 100% and then if it doesn't work then at least you can say it to yourself that it was not meant for me because i gave my 100% it still didn't work so um i thought about it and she was right i thought she was right that you know i will feel at some time that you know i didn't give my 100% because i was 
most 80% of my brain was in my job um 80% of just my energy and it's teaching is a very different place right like your priorities are completely different from um looking at how you look or how you present yourself because you have a different focus and so i took the call and i talked to my manager he was very supportive um and i quit my job and i came back home to prepare i came back i lost 11 kg of weight very in a very healthy way by the way i don't want anybody to think that you should just um because there's a lot of controversy around how you lose weight but i didn't want to kill myself so um i worked like i started eating super healthy i started running i started going to the gym um i also started building up like what understanding what my story is and how i present myself to other people um the for one year i also had braces so i went to an orthodontist and i checked with them like whether there was any point in doing anything with my teeth so what happens in beauty pageants um is that sometimes like there are quick fixes there are a lot of quick cosmetic fixes that people do right so if you don't have like thick luscious hair you just get extensions or if you don't have um long lashes you just get like extensions again you get like fake lashes right and so for teeth um there's there's a thing called veneers so what what they do is that they file your actual original teeth and then they put like really perfect teeth on top of your original teeth right and so it was suggested to me that i do that but i was like absolutely there there are zero ways that i'm going to do that to myself um and i was very like i drew the line and i said you know there's there is a point till which i'm willing to work and if it's not working beyond that point i'm not going to like do more so i decided that i didn't want to get veneers i really like my teeth um but whatever like some of my teeth were not in line and i um talked to an or Orthodontist, and he said that it may be good for you, just in general, um, as you grow older, to get braces, not just from a cosmetic perspective, but also just so that, um, because I was getting new uh, wisdom teeth, and mm. it was all pushing my teeth to the front. So they extracted my whatever wisdom teeth first, and then they put braces. So I had that for one year, and then before my final audition, because I was already, um, I think. 25 and a half or something now um i decided that i wanted to go for the auditions of miss earth which is an environmentally inclined pageant and as i said at the beginning of this call i wanted to be a wildlife documentary filmmaker and that comes from the fact that my father was um he was in the forest services uh for about 30 years he's retired now but um for 30 years he worked to protect and conserve the forests and the national parks in india so i've kind of grown up in that family where it's very important to um think about your environment and i and my two of my internships were with uh, one was with a wildlife magazine and one was with worldwide fund for nature and i was like you know what i have a backing and i have uh, a passion to actually work on this so i'm going to go for a pageant where i'm not going to speak superficially about anything but i'm actually going to speak from experience about what i know about the environment and i'm going to do my own ad- advocacy because that's a part of pageants so i quit my job worked on these things um it was a very difficult time because uh what happens is that modeling is a you need to have some modeling experience in order to do well in a pageant because you need good pictures or um just like have some good videos of yourself because people are going to be watching you the whole time and so the difficulty was that i had to keep going for 
different activities of the pageant to another city so i couldn't do a job but at the same time modeling the way modeling works is that you hear from a modeling uh photo shoot like once in two months or like once in 20 days and so what are you doing for 15 days what are you doing for those two months right it's very mentally exhausting to think okay when am i when is my next project going to come and i didn't want to do that to myself so i said what can i do with the time that i have so i started collaborating with different environmental organizations i was like if i'm building my advocacy if i want to learn more i might as well just volunteer my time wherever i can so i started going um across my city across my country um to just participate in different environmental events whether it was like a beach clean up or whether it was um planting trees or a seminar on uh climate change i also worked with an organization where uh together we created a quiz for children for 140 teams um that was focused on our, around environmental issues to just raise awareness so i started working on small and uh medium sized projects uh in a volunteer capacity and in some cases as a part time uh uh employee of the organization i also started writing a little bit about climate change um all of these things happened and then after i think i got selected first for the regionals and for the nationals and then uh finally when the time for my pageant came so on the day of the pageant um we were all on stage and somebody came and announced one of the organizers came and announced that uh sorry this pageant is cancelled because of so and so reason so 8 months after me quitting my job and uh uh you know working so hard they just cancelled the pageant on stage and at that point of time obviously nobody knew that this could happen so everybody on stage was just like okay <laughs> what is happening <laughs> nobody knows what is happening and we got off the stage and um we all just went and uh, we were all obviously upset but we um we didn't know why the pageant was canceled in the first place anyway so we all came back home and we were all really really upset and uh, um after this whole thing went down i came back home and i remember like just lying in bed looking at my ceiling thinking okay so i don't have a job and my pageant's not happening and i don't i'm i don't have a like you know i'm not going to school this year like i don't have admission to any school and like you know that that serious fear of okay what am i going to do next like what happens now right um and i'm 25 at this point so i'm like like my options are completely running out like i i don't know what i'm going to do and how am i going to explain to someone even if i go look for a new job like how am i going to explain to them that i quit a perfectly good job to be in a pageant that didn't really work and i don't have anything to show for it um so yeah it was a very uh, difficult time and i'm really glad that i can laugh about it now but at that point of time it was like serious fear of like what's next and i don't know what i'm looking forward to and um i did take some time out for myself and i applied i had thankfully what worked out was that i had applied for a climate um journalism fellowship and i got in so that meant that 3 weeks after this happened i was invited to report from the uh, fifth asia pacific um uh climate change adaptation forum from sri lanka and so that was something definitely to look forward to and i went there and i uh, met this incredible team from this organization called climate tracker and i learned quite a bit over there and then i came back and i started working 
part time for them like in the next few months like whenever a project would come up or if there was a grant i started working for them but largely i didn't know what i was doing so um i was like okay so i will apply to a school so one of the schools that i had always wanted to go to was the columbia graduate school of journalism in new york um it was set up by joseph pulitzer himself um and so it was like a dream school and i was like you know what i'm not going to um spend time thinking about 10 schools i want to apply to because there's just not enough time this was already around october and applications for schools closed by december and so i was like okay i'll focus on this give my everything and i'll apply and so i did that um and i continued to grow my network in the way of working with different organizations so i kept volunteering my time took up part time roles kept doing that for a while um i went for another modeling competition one that thankfully um and went to london to represent india which was again great so one thing or the other because of everything that i was working on in in this year this was 2016 um because of everything that i had started working on with different organizations other people started approaching me to do more and that was good and because of my experience as a finalist and my modeling experience then winning this model modeling competition became easier um and then going to london again built more credibility then i got shortlisted for the london fashion week worked for five designers there um so things worked out in bits and pieces but they worked out and this is also around the time when i got through apyee so for anybody listening asia pacific youth exchange is an important connection between me and uh, dinlong um mostly because um it i went for the asia pacific youth exchange in thailand and as i speak further perhaps this would make more sense <laughs> but uh, yeah it's an exchange program and uh, i took part in it and i learned about more about sustainable development goals and uh, social innovation and entrepreneurship made a lot of friends from different places in asia and even uh, outside of asia and the pacific and uh, yeah all of these things happened i really i built my profile like i really really worked very hard to build my profile um both for modeling and my advocacy so by this time i had a binder full of things i had done in both of these scenarios and i sent it off to mesot saying that you know last year you just didn't do the pageant um and i was a finalist like up till the end so i sent everything um and while i was at london fashion week i got a call from mesot like the franchise holder for india and they said that they thankfully did go through my binder um and so this person interviewed me um about everything that i had accomplished about what i was doing at that moment and thankfully it was that fortunate time when i was at the fashion week um so she was yeah so it it worked out pretty well that way and it was um decided then with all the work that i had done in the previous year and and this year that i would be representing india at miss earth on that year in that year the craziest thing though is that i had one week to prepare for an international pageant Yeah. So yeah. So be, yeah. So I have a lot of questions now. <laughs> uh, but no. Yeah. I think yeah. So to come back a bit before. So yeah. So you were at the final. They cancelled, and you were like, okay, no one has no clue why. And then you were like, okay, I. I so you just kept on, you know, trying on pageants, building. I mean. creating your network and experiences around your advocacy um and then everything just connected again 
And uh, I mean, so what, what's interesting is, so wait, you said you, you call Miss Earth, basically? No, I didn't call them. I wrote to them a number of times. Like it wasn't that, I know that it all looks very connected in retrospect, but when I was going through it, nothing was connected. Mm. And I genuinely like, if I'm being very honest, I didn't know what I was doing. But it was, it was technically my last year to participate. So Miss Earth also has a deadline at, I think, 26. You need to be less than 27 years old to participate. So I was like, if I hadn't gone that year, I would not be eligible to go after that. So your goal was always to participate like to the... When you say participate, you mean to the international pageant? Yes, I definitely... So for me, um, I never had the aspiration. So in India, what happens is a lot of times because... Um, pageants are a way of being um, seen and recognized yeah. a lot of people choose to go in the media industry or um, become anchors in tv shows or be a part of bollywood or start modeling professionally um, so for them it's really really helpful the experience directly connects to that path but for me um, and and a lot of women when they start modeling at like 18 years old like it does seem like a natural and perfect path to go to and pageants really help because it builds credibility but I was already like 24 by the time that I was actually participating or auditioning for pageants and I had already built um, some experience in the education social development sector so my way of thinking than anybody else than most people that I was competing um, against was quite different I would say and even while I was going through this My only thought was that if I've invested so much time and effort and even money in some cases, because you need to buy the makeup and the hair and the gowns and the whatnot, and you need to travel so much, I might as well, it would be good if something comes out of that experience. If there is something credible that I can say about myself once that, um, you know, once I stop trying for that experience anymore. And mm -hmm. so I think I took a leap of faith in the next year saying that, okay, this is my last year. If it happens, great, but I can't go down without trying which is why I kept building my portfolio and my profiles to say that okay I have built this much credibility now and I'm going to do my best and try my luck and if it works great but I want to be able to say to myself that you know I tried everything um, yeah I think that was the mindset I was coming with because I never thought I wanted to be a part of Bollywood or that I mm. uh, wanted to become a model full-time I knew that I um I really liked the work that I did with Teach for India. I really liked working in the social development sector, not just because of the work we do, but because of the kind of people who work in the social development sector who had taught me so much. So um, I, I, at this point, I wasn't really sure what I was, if I were to go into a job, like what that job would be, because there were so many experiences that had just happened. Uh, but in that year, I think one thing I was clear about is that if there is a chance, I will take it. And I, my first Um, I sent my entire binder to them saying that if the con competition is happening, I didn't know whether they're doing an on-ground competition or not. So I said, please consider me to compete again, like this year as well. Hmm. But after two or three follow-ups and there was no competition happening and I didn't know what was happening at all. Um, it was after all of that, that I was called in like, um, at London Fashion Week for the interview, which was just one week before the pageant. So by this time, I was like, no way, like anything is going to happen because the pageant is going to start next week. And um, yeah, it, it was like an, a very uh, tricky time, but it just happened. I think it's such a huge lesson into not giving up and actually asking questions and trying. And if I'd not done that, like um, 
I definitely like am proud of myself for pushing through and uh, trying everything that I could have. Um, I knew for a fact in twenty seventeen, uh, if they if they had launched the competition again in India, I would have competed. But they hadn't done that, so I tried any other way that there was. So you were really driven by not willing to have regrets, right? I mean, from what your mom said to you. I was really driven by giving my best and whatever that meant to me at that point of time. I wasn't thinking so much about regret then, but like it's making sense to me in retrospect. Talking about regret makes sense because mm -hmm. maybe at this I would have thought, oh, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done that, but I don't think that way. Because I think I did everything that I could have done. And just to clarify something on pageants, and then I really want to hear the story of the final. But so, yeah, you speak a lot about advocacy. So, is it something specific to Miss Earth, or is it something specific to pageants in general? I mean, in every pageant. I think it's a really beautiful thing that um, pageants have a space for advocacy. Mostly because it's a platform where thousands of people start recognizing you, and if you have that kind of influence, if people are listening to you, you should be able to use that platform to sensitize people about things that are important. Um, and so, the way that I look at it, like initially when I went in, um, of course, there's a lot of talk um, around pageants, and me also coming from. Um, The background of Teach for India, of course, there were colleagues and there were, you know, acquaintances who said that, you know, like, why are you going into a pageant? Like, it's it promotes body image issues and um, it promotes, um, you know, like people say that they care about something, but they don't care about whatever they're working for. And of of course, like these are some of the feedback that I received at that point of time, and a lot of times, like. It comes from a place of people actually working in those sectors and then thinking the purpose of this entire cause is being diluted when somebody just randomly talks about that issue. Um, but for me, I think like a lot of my biases also broke in the process because I wasn't I wasn't someone who was like okay, drop dead gorgeous and like my hair is perfect or my face is perfect or my skin is perfect. I never saw myself that way. Um, I. So it was definitely like um, not because I thought I had no body image issues that I entered something like this, but it was despite the fact that I had body image issues that I entered because I wanted to stop feeling that way about myself. And I already shared that story of you me me staring at my face and thinking about how there are hundred things wrong with me. Um, but I basically wanted to go in and. Um, I also came from the mindset of saying, "Oh, a lot of women, like these women who go into pageants, they don't care about what they're talking about, but they're talking about it." But I think it, I I ended up breaking a lot of my biases um, in the way that I met some, like I met so many incredible women from all across the world who are working on what they feel passionately about because they've gone through a personal experience that connects to um, that specific issue, and. It is so, so. For example, if someone is an engineer, but they're passionate about education and they're talking about it, so they're not a full-time educator, right? But I don't ever look down on an engineer saying that this person is talking about education, even though that person has no experience in you know teaching before. Um, and so I changed my mindset in saying that yes, like these women, like the full-time job, uh, maybe being a model, maybe being like a TV personality. 
but at the end of the day they have the platform and the influence and uh they are using it for a good thing so like why not support that um i also knew at the same time that i wanted to do the best that i can to learn more about the environment instead of talking about it like just superficially so it is a part of pageants and some people make the most of it um within the pageants but like like i said like uh, there are a lot of other things a lot of other opportunities for anyone who enters a pageant so some people choose that path and some people choose this mm yeah i think i mean it's what you said when you said yeah growing up in the 90s and you know looking at this woman winning pageant and you know you realized already that they had a lot of influence and it's what you wanted to also bring to the table like with your advocacy on climate education uh, yeah no i think it's great and yeah so and now i really want to yeah can can you so how did it go so you had one week to prepare and one week to prepare i it was so stressful i cannot like i have not i th- i don't think i've still reached a place where i can laugh about it because it was definitely like the most stressful week i've ever had because i had in front of me what was an opportunity of a lifetime to represent my country and be called india for a whole month um and i wanted to do a good job at it like that was the only thing in my mind but at the same time um before you go into a pageant like there are a lot of things that you need to get done so you need to have your portfolio ready you need to have your video ready you need to have your um they send a list of things that you need to have in terms of the clothes that you're going to wear so like some occasions you need to wear gowns and some occasions you need to wear um dresses and some occasions you need to wear a t-shirt and jeans so they give you an entire list of the events that are going to happen and you need to figure out like you need to um find out um the best you know clothing that you can get because styling and how you dress and how you present yourself is very important because a lot of like thousands of people who are not with you at the pageant are going to judge you simply on the basis of a picture that somebody clicked of you in that at that event so um it was very stressful because um some of these events are like evening gown round or national costume round and you can't just like you can't be like okay somebody is going to bring me all these things you need to look into all of these things you need to send your profile they, they ask you some questions so every single time you go up on stage they would read something about you and you may have seen if you've ever seen pageants what happens is when a contestant comes on the stage someone in the background is actually saying something about them and that's stuff that you have that's taken from stuff that you have told them about you in a very very long form that you need to fill before you go um so all these things were there and uh, obviously like this came very last minute for me so i was very stressed out um and there's there's no there i was nothing else in the last 7 day, days i was i don't think there was any point where i was not stressed and i don't think there was any point that my mood changed from anything but being anxious um except like i think on the last day when i was really excited that you know it's happening and i'm going and it's so cool um but yeah i basically spent my last 7 se- days before the pageant just prepping for the pageant and making sure that i have everything unfortunately there wasn't typically like a franchise uh, so for example if somebody is leading a pageant in a, se- a specific country um sometimes what happens is if they have sponsors um they support the person who's representing the country by giving them a stylist or giving them like the um giving them a budget to work with for their clothes and their 
uh, hair and makeup and like other uh, video creation and everything i did not have that support unfortunately so it made it even harder so it was just me and my family didn't know anything about pageants so there was no help from that side um and then because it was such a short time like i couldn't fall back on friends to help me with it because it was so targeted and i was like i have to do everything on my own so it was very exhausting but finally like i had everything that i needed uh to go and i went and uh, the pageant was in the philippines um i will have to say like i don't i have seen the formats of other pageants and i have not attended them but i think it would be safe to say that in terms of the experience miss earth is an outstanding pageant because it happens in the philippines and uh, most of the times it has also happened in austria in the past i think um but over the 30 days they take you to um different events all across the philippines and it was like one of those experiences that you would, you can never forget um one of the other things that i mentioned nobody remembers you by name so they just call you by your sash which is india so i was called i was called india for a whole month and i think the kind of pride that i felt which is being called that for an entire month is something that i think would be unparalleled like for the rest of my life um obviously i know now that i did my best but that best wasn't enough in terms of just being prepared for the scale at which this event was happening and so i knew what my strengths were my strengths were communicating um my strengths were knowing a lot about the environment at the pageant and so i played to my strengths mostly um made some incredible friends in the process um like i said went to like some really beautiful places in the philippines learned about the his- some parts of the history of the philippines went to some environmental events as well uh, but at the end of the day it's it is a competition um the beautiful thing about miss earth again was that at no point did i feel pressured um in the way of like any of my co contestants making me feel like oh somebody's like really competing with me or anything everybody was so friendly and like so giving and um i had different roommates at different points of the competition um but i think like there was an understanding and camaraderie around the fact that we were all on the same boat and we were all equally stressed because i think there is so much pressure from pageant fans and um there's so much pressure from your country and the fact that you're the only representative of your country that everyone within the pageant is very um supportive of each other because you're pretty much like on the same boat in many of the experiences so that's how the whole pageant went we had like a whole month of traveling around and going to different events and um in the uh, and we had some competitions uh, along the way as well like the national costume the gown round the swimwear round and what not but it is on the last four days of the pageant that your rehearsals start and um rehearsals for the big stage and that the final like competitions the main competitions that are counted uh, towards the finale happen so there are three things one was at miss earth one was about your um beauty and poise so basically you don't get to put any makeup and you go in front of judges and they judge you on just the way that you look the second is a uh, figure and form so they judge you on how fit you are or what your figure is like or whatever the third was environmental awareness um and intelligence 
and so they interview you like a panel of judges interview you this the questions can come from anywhere but because it's an environmental pageant it's good to know about the environment cuz some of the questions are about the environment um i like i said i played to my strengths and i did really well in the um environment round one thing i definitely want to say is that i know a lot of people who laugh at pageant answers um but i think the most difficult part about answering a pageant question isn't how much you like it, it isn't about how much knowledge you have or it isn't about um like what do you honestly feel about something but it's about what is the most relevant answer that you can give or think of within 10 seconds that makes sense and has to last 30 seconds you need to decide all these things in less than 10 seconds i think that's where the pressure really like rises it's i've seen like people who know a lot also not do well when asked a question on stage only because you know so much and you need to filter and fit that answer in in 30 seconds and that's a really difficult thing to do plus you have so many people watching you but i thankfully my interview went really well and i was uh, one of the top 16 like there were 85 participating countries and i was in the top 16 for environmental awareness and intelligence do you remember the question you had surprisingly most of my questions and i was so thorough with the environment but most of my questions were about gender equality and poverty which also i felt very comfortable answering because of my uh, previous experience um so my interview went well obviously when i came out i didn't think it went well because when you come out of an interview you think oh you know you knew this and you knew that and why didn't you say this like why are you so stupid and so that's what i was doing to myself but then i saw my video again later and i also saw uh, the responses of people and i thought i did a good job um so yeah it it worked out that way um i did feel inadequate in a lot of the com- competitions um when it came to like just being the gown round or the uh, swimsuit round or whatever and every single time like a competition would end i would just sit back and think oh my god i just had to do this or if only i had the time to do this before the pageant i i would have definitely like done a great job or if only i had support i would have done a better job and the comments keep pouring cuz they just post all these competitions online so people just keep replying and some people are so kind and so encouraging and so fantastic and they write good things about you but some people will just write things like oh she's trash oh she's like ugly why is she in a pageant and you're reading all of this like while you're in the competition so it's yeah it's it's very mixed and uh it's difficult but at the end of the day it's a competition and i think um you want to do your best so after a point like i decided at the 15 days that i will stop reading comments and i will do what i can and enjoy my time there um i won miss friendship which i wasn't anticipating but um i got a bronze in miss friendship and i uh, was in the top 16 of environmental awareness and intelligence i didn't make it to the top 16 overall um but yeah i think after coming back from the pageant like that was the finale and i made some like really incredible friends and i was very encouraging of them and they have done a wonderful things like wonderful things after the pageant as well um and i'm really grateful to know them i think just the community um of these women and what i've been able to hear you know learn from them is um absolutely fantastic but after i came back obviously i had I mean I I shouldn't call it PTSD but after <laughs> I came back um no it was something like that because like when you come back you just think about all the things you could have done better but the truth is that given the circumstances you couldn't have done better 
um and so like a lot of like it took a lot of um time for me to get over my hindsight bias like there would just were just days when i would think oh my god that gown looks so bad on stage i wish i had picked up and picked up another gown when the reality was that i gave in my best i gave in my time money effort everything uh in getting that gown and like it didn't look good on stage and i could not have anticipated that but when you come back like you obviously have because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity you want to have done better so it took me i think a couple of months to get over that and realize that oh i did the best that i could have yeah does it help you in general in your because this is you had it in the pageant but this is a feeling that we all have at some point in different contexts so does it help you to overcome this i think like when people say that time is the only thing that heals things that is true because sometimes you just cannot shut your mind up like you can meditate all you want but um and i am all for meditation like i think people should do it and it definitely helps but um sometimes when you're just waking up from sleep and you're thinking about oh i should have done this when this thing was happening there's no controlling that and you only forget that once more things happen in your life like there you have more things to think about or look forward to or be happy about and i think like it's with conversations like similar conversations like the one that i'm having with you with people that i have been able to manage like the feelings i had around how i could have done better um but yeah i think in one conversation like this term that i used hindsight bias um remembering that really helps me because i was talking to a friend of mine and he said okay well i know that you think that you could have done a lot better but you also just told me that you had only 7 days and you had all these things going on and um uh, you did give your time and your money and what were you thinking when you got that gown um and the truth is i was so excited about being in that gown um and i thought that i had made the best decision that i could have before going to the pageant i was like okay so i have done the best and this is the best gown available to me and this is i am spending all of my savings on this and this is going to be fine but it didn't work out and that's not something that i'm responsible for is something that i is something it's a lot easier now because every single time that happens i can tell myself it's a hindsight bias where i'm thinking about something that i've taken out of context and i'm beating myself up for it but the truth is i did wonderfully well when it was happening yeah so yeah it's it's really helpful i'm really glad that person told me about this Yeah 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 and i guess yeah putting words and yeah of course like putting words on it it really makes you aware of Yeah it helps to it helps to reflect in a constructive manner about what happened And i have another question related to what you said as well you know like all these people some people are kind some people are like yeah why is she even here so i wonder cuz i think it's also something that we can all have as a feeling but in a much smaller scale like for example me you know or anyone post any stupid thing like you know posting on facebook posting on linkedin you're always afraid that someone is going to trash you i at least me but it's still you know it's it's a small scale still my it's my my own network of people i know but you you reach this level where it's people you don't know and i wonder how how do you deal with that honestly at the beginning i didn't deal with it very well 
I used to get very affected with what people were saying. But I think it's a skill you've got to learn, especially if you're ambitious, because any single time you try and reach a place where you you become visible to other people, there are going to be some people who want to be in your place but can't for whatever other reason, and they're going to hit you for it. And that's on them, but it should not affect you. There are going to be other people who have a very very specific idea of how something should be and they're going to hate you for being there if you don't fit that idea right and then there is the third thing where they like especially and i think this is this is not just limited to pageants like at any point even in politics for example it's not that somebody knows you as a person they just like or dislike what you're doing in the position that you have based on their preferences right so i think it was it was terrible when it was happening but it was such a good like life lesson for me that you need to have decided who your people are and who you're going to take like blatant criticism from and who you're going to ignore because a lot of times what people are saying about you is not on you it's on them because they're feeling all sorts of things that are not in your control right and uh, yeah obviously like earlier like there have been times there obviously like i'm i'm not i wasn't made of like very very thick skin i wouldn't say i'm i'm even right now but there have been times when somebody said like something really cruel about me or trashed me or something online and i've just cried because like what do you do because you have like all this pent up emotion and i think like people people say oh you're weak because you're crying cuz no i'm crying because like that's the emotion i'm feeling and it would help me to release that emotion and feel strongly about whatever i'm feeling after that so yeah there are times when people would really get you down but i think over time of people saying whatever they're saying you can externalize what they're saying and say okay like this is their problem to deal with if they're upset with this and they think i'm trash they need to deal with that but and then and then think that if you know like my pageant coach is telling me that hey you know your hair didn't look right in that whatever shoot you did then i'll take that cuz she's my coach and she knows what she's talking about and she knows what's needed mm-hmm. to do better at the place that i'm at right so i know that she's not coming from a vicious place she's not coming from a place to put me down so i know that and of course like i said there are there are people who also always encourage you and they're very proud of what you're doing and there's also like an internal feedback right like i also knew and while you're competing with other people you also know who's performing well and who's not and what's needed so you learn that while you're going through the competition like you learn those things and you realize that you know i would love for this person to win i would love for this person to win because they worked beyond like what i could have thought was possible right and you and you say that for people and you're happy for them because you you think that they've done that much work and they they are very deserving of um title it is so it's not being completely oblivious and saying oh no i'm the best for everything and like why are people saying that shit about me it's also like very reflective and very honest feedback to myself about okay so i've done all of these things and i'm doing well and maybe i won't win because i think i could have done this better but yeah that's that's the way it is which is being honest with myself and knowing who i should take feedback from and who not cool yeah i think it's a very important advice um so that was the end of your pageant life yeah i mean 
um after i came back from the pageant i still like so you because i i was chosen um one week before the international pageant um i still had one year to just be in south india until the next person was chosen so i continued the work that i was doing before working on different projects i started um i think i may be missing the timeline here but i think i started again working part time with different organizations or learning something online um i took a course on sustainable development online um so yeah i kept myself occupied and i also thought okay that you know when once that one one year gets over like i need to figure out what i want to do so i also took that time to figure out with where i wanted to go and where i wanted to be um yeah deciding what my next step should be did the title of miss earth india either you realize something change either you know externally or inside yeah of course yes um it does the funny thing is that i was in the social development sector for four years and not a lot of people cared about that like um because i was collecting i was fundraising for my classroom and you know not a lot of people thought like um that of course some people came to help and some people like did contribute to my class but it wasn't i would say it was not attractive in terms of like what i was doing if i were to blatantly put it of course people were proud of me for what i was doing um but what mr did was that it kind of brought what i what i was doing with teach for india into light so people were like oh she has like on ground experience and she's also in a pageant like that's fantastic um it definitely opened doors it's it's really funny and i laugh about this a lot but i was invited to speak at one of these events um in india which was about in the environment and uh, having a crown really helps <laughs> like a like a tiara cuz um i remember this this forum like i was i was speaking and there was another person speaking who had a phd in something to do with the environment and obviously like the person who actually knows the most was the person with the phd but i think what happened is that they kept me to speak in the in the end and the i think the phd person was before me and uh, yeah he went on stage and he spoke and people were like oh, okay okay that's fine great good speech and then i went on stage and people were really excited to hear me speak or what i had to say and i think that's a good example of uh, like of just how humans function in terms of what's attractive and what's influential i i don't think at that forum i was the most knowledgeable person but at the same time i think the package of me being like a pageant um winner along with the fact that i was working to advocate for the environment like that was attractive to people and that has been the case in um many places where i have gained some kind of credibility um to be invited to forums i would not have been earlier invited to even though i would have had the same knowledge that i did now mm. right um so it definitely did open doors sometimes it's the opposite and then people think that because you won a pageant like you don't know a lot about anything uh which is unfortunate which is so unfortunate i i wish that people could like stop thinking like that in some cases for sure um but Yeah there have been times when uh, I've been mansplained or like I've been told something because they thought that I don't necessarily understand it um because I was invited to I don't know be at a certain place or there have been places where because Bollywood is so tied to beauty pageants in India that 
um these college students have like told me to dance because like i'm miss india even though i was going i was there as a speaker you know <laughs> so those those things also happen but i take it with a pinch of salt i'm like it's okay um that exists but yeah it definitely has made me realize that in some ways uh that presentation matters how you communicate how you dress how you um uh, you know interact with people um how people what's the first impression you make on their minds like it's it matters like a lot of things it's insidious because sometimes it's easy to say oh you're so superficial you're so superficial because you're judging someone because of the way you look but that's just how the human mind functions the first time like you get interested in speaking to someone um consciously or unconsciously maybe because of the way that they look or the way that they sound um or the way that they're presenting themselves and that's not just a parent thing that's that exists everywhere and that is something that i've consciously started noticing now that i didn't earlier but it it definitely happens hmm so yeah so i guess it gave you the platform that you were looking for and then from that you know you can just say yeah listen to this phd person or listen to <laughs> you know yes stories of grassroots communities etc uh, etc et uh yeah just want to double check with you if you had any time constraints no i don't okay okay so we can can continue a bit i'll try let's uh... <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm speaking no 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 for me it's great it's just i'm afraid that you, you... and if you have any meeting after um... i do but that's at 7 so plenty time okay um yeah so you started to mention APYE <laughs> minutes ago um so it was yeah how like so maybe just to i think i'm quite impressed with you know like you, i mean coming back again to when you were in filmmaking school you know you decided to apply for the fellowship which i mean just to recontextualize uh, it's like two years you don't know anything about this but you still like yeah i'm going i'm going to do it and then you're like okay i'm going to do a pageant i don't you, you still don't know anything about it but you you <laughs> you're, you're still yeah. going to do it and now we are more like into apy stuff or like social entrepreneurship social innovation um yeah like how how, how did you hear about apy and what this was before i became a sort so it was again the time when i was auditioning and i had plenty of time to look into other things because modeling assignments were not that frequent um so yeah i found it on i think i found it online on google or youth opportunities or something and i thought it was very interesting so i was really interested in the sustainable development goals in general because i realized that once i looked at them and their transition from and i knew about the millennium development goals as well so when the millennium development goals converted into sustainable development goals i obviously read about them but i think what the united nations has done exceptionally well is just the way that they have communicated the goals in the way that it's so approachable to everyone kids you know professionals uh college going students elderly people everyone like you look at them and it looks exciting and it's all encompassing and that's what i felt when i first looked at the sustainable development goals i was like this is so cool i looked at that graphic and i said 17 goals this this looks amazing and it's so colorful and bright and like it's so attractive um 
And so when I saw the opportunity of APYE, I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to apply to this because it has a focus on the sustainable development goals and innovation and entrepreneurship. And also like a very superficial purpose, but I wanted to go to Thailand. So <laughs> it's like, might as well just go to Thailand as well. Um, and so I applied and uh, I obviously was, um, it like for the program, I was looking for a scholarship. Um, I didn't think like I could afford the whole thing at that point of time because I didn't have a job. Um, and I was in a part-time thing at that point of time. So I was like, fine, I have 50% of this. If I get a 50% scholarship, I will definitely go. And thankfully, I got that 50% scholarship. Um, ABYE was one of the best, funnest, most amazing experiences ever because of the way that it is structured and the people within the program who run it. And kudos to Linka as well. <laughs> she was one of the organizers in the first year as well, um, and Millie as well. So when we went there, um, loved the energy. Like sometimes you just go into a space and you know you belong. And I think that's what APYE did. So there were people from all over the Asia Pacific. Um, and I think all of us Indians, I think we were six, five or six of um, us Indians at APYE. And we all decided that like we are cool and all, but we need to mingle with other people. <laughs> so uh, we decided to like, um, I, I had roommates who were Filipinos and I started hanging out with them. Um, and the local immersion was fantastic because I had picked my goal as quality education and I got to see the education system of Thailand. And we were placed, like we were in a school, we were in Bangkok itself, but we were in a school for a week. Um, and that was that was really good because it had so many similarities with the education system in India, but also so many differences. Um, and that was really good to learn. Um, and after that experience, just the final like pitching at the UN, um, that entire experience, and I didn't realize at that point how good a job they had done. But what APY did that is, that is different from most of the other conferences that I have attended is that they created a space and a network which was going to see each other even after the conferences. And I have thought a lot about how they did this, but I think it's a mixture of like keeping, um, keeping people at the center and working with them, even though there is a purpose, there is a purpose of um, teaching or telling people about the sustainable development goals, making them learn about social innovation and entrepreneurship. They did a great job at culture. So, and the cool thing is that my Filipino friends and my roommate from APYE, I, unfortunately, my family could not come to the finale of Miss Earth. So they came to support oh, wow. me in the Philippines. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's the kind of strong ties that they made. Um, and I've, I've met one of these APYE people in three countries so far. So we just keep meeting each other at different places. So yeah, this is a, um, they didn't do a great job at selection. And these are people who are... Um, definitely working and are very passionate about sustainable development goals or are learning about sustainable development goals. So um, after coming back, I think just being a part of the network was very, very valuable to me. And since then, I have been a part of four APYs, um, first as a delegate and then as a facilitator and then as a mentor and then as a judge. And this time it was like a um, uh, the online APY, I was also a moderator for that. So I think it's just like, a, I think it's become a lifelong thing where I'm going to be a part of like some 50 APYs in my <laughs> lifetime, I think. 
but yeah it definitely it was a great start for me in terms of like recognizing that i am and could be a better advocate for the sustainable development goals mm, so it went to add on on basically yeah, like yeah it strengthened my um, interest in the goals and also in social entrepreneurship in terms of understanding it i am not an entrepreneur yet but i may be in the future and i think that that if if i do this podcast again like 10 years later when i am an entrepreneur maybe i'll mention how apy had a you know role to play with it so yeah is apy what brought you to do the jagriti yatra yes partially i think so jagriti yatra also has like a they have a rigorous selection process um and before i applied to jagriti yatra i think apy had built my interest in the jagriti yatra um and i had so i applied to jagriti yatra twice the first year i was rejected and i want to always talk about my rejections because i feel like on social media we have so many places where people just keep talking about their successes like everything is going for them and they never fail but the truth is that like there are you fail 10 times before you get one success and so i didn't get into jagriti yatra the first year and i was like no you know what i'm going to try again um and apy definitely sowed the seed for it um but i was anyway interested in the sustainable development goals jagriti yatra is different in the way of um it focuses on social entrepreneurship and not so much on the goals because it has four or five streams could you explain a bit uh, jy in your own words yes or... i will so jagriti yatra is an 8000 km train ride across india over 15 days where um you get off at 12 12 or 13 different destinations and at these destinations you learn more from an from a social enterprise or from a social entrepreneur um about social entrepreneurship and you live on the train you sleep on the train you eat on the train you bathe on the train so you are the train becomes your home for those 15 days um there are people from all over the country and even abroad so that's why um din long and i both have been on the train even though he's vietnamese and french um so yeah it's very exciting because the train brings together people from all socio economic cultural backgrounds you can think of and it's a very diverse and interesting space within the train because people are very passionate about either um a social or environmental issue or about social entrepreneurship some of them there's so many people who have found their co-founders on the train and there are also people who have found their spouses on the train so <laughs> yeah it's really funny but that happens um yeah so so i i was really interested since the beginning uh, my roommate at teach for india she we we actually used to make these um yearly like charts where i'd write her name and my name and then we'll put down 10 things you we were going to do in the year and the truth is we ended up doing only two or three of them every year <laughs> but but it was good to have that and she is someone who had been through like she had put she and i both had put down jagriti yatra while i was in the fellowship so i knew about jagriti yatra from a very long time since a very long time um but she went for the jagriti yatra and i didn't because i just didn't apply to it in time or something like that um and then my interest was um it came back once i had already learned a little bit about the sdgs 
and i had been a part of apy but and i had applied after apy but i think my excitement rose to another level once i had been at the pageant because of the fact that the train like i said it was going to be such a diverse space and we were going to go all across the country and i really wanted to do that and my interest had strengthened because at the pageant people would ask me questions about india and there was no question that i could give a black and white answer to it was always like and there would be there, there are a lot of stereotypes right um so there would be questions around uh there would be some really interesting and important questions around just gender equality in india and how does that work um because while we have some um cities like we have uh, urban spaces where where women are, you know are they they have rights and they have and they are also independent and they're living their best life as they can um but safety is still an issue like you still have to think before you step out of the house a lot of times when you're living even in like the most urban cities um and then there is the other side of india where um there is female feticide still existing in places there's still like female child marriages even though our law states that it's completely illegal like these things still take place so there is like such a huge divide and i think the stereotype around india with like some of the media and some uh, of the movies that are made about india so the people outside of india have typically a pretty grim view of india um so as a representative of my country at misort like a lot of these questions that came my way whether it was about gender equality or like the it ranged from that 2000 snakes uh, which is like very stereotypical but i wanted to um answer them the best way that i can and i kept realizing there is no one answer to any question i'm being asked because we have such extremes in our country uh, we have great things and we have really really like uh, terrible things happening all at the same time and so my experience in no way represents the experience of so many other people in my country and so because of that i was very excited to be on the train because it was a more just representation of the country um in one place because there were people from everywhere and i wanted to know more um and so i was very excited so anyway i got through and again very this the funny things kept happening in 2017 because my interview call for jagrati yatra happened 30 minutes before my gown round so i was sitting like with my hair up and my gown and this person called anurag had called me up to ask me questions um and i literally said to him that hey i <laughs> i have to go into a competition but let's just talk and uh uh i spoke to him for 20 minutes and after that like i was and this time like not only did i get into the jagrati yatra i got full scholarship so i only had to pay the registration fee and nothing else so i was mega 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 excited so i had so much to look forward to when my pageant ended cuz i did the pageant in october november and then jagrati yatra was in december so yeah um i was on the train after that so for me one major difference between APY and JY Jagrati Yatra is so APY is like young people from all over Asia Pacific and Jagrati Yatra it's so there are a few foreigners like like 10 people but it's really like Indians it's like four in, four young Indians from everywhere from and yeah i i mean 
I had a different experience because I, I mean, I, I'm not an Indian, so it's it, it's different, <laughs> right? But I really wonder, like for you, you know, you're surrounded by 400. But even if we count the staff cooking, the the security, you are surrounded by 600, 700 Indians from every every possible, you know. Um, how, what is the feeling during fifteen days? Um, I think one of the things that really surprised me was that the train did not feel weird to live in after two days. Like it had become such a normal thing that we were living and sleeping and, you know, talking and meeting and everything in the train. And um, the other thing was that I think Chagrati Yatra is able to create such a balanced space. Like you had a lot of people working in social development, but they came with very widely different perspectives. And then Usually what happens is that once you're like an educated, like uh, Indian with a college degree, um, you sometimes just feel very entitled to the things that you're doing. Um, you think you know more at some points, especially if you're working in the social development sector. Sometimes you may be working on a project and you think you have the answers, but the train kind of provides the space to um, include those who are living the reality of that situation, right? So we had we had women from rural India on the train. So if somebody was talking about working with rural women in India, you had them to give their, um, you know, ideas and thoughts and opinions right in front of you. Um, and that I really appreciate because it's one thing to sit in isolation and talk about an issue which you are not facing yourself, but it's another thing to have that conversation with the same confidence or, um, you know, saying that I know all of these things while the person who may be benefiting from your program or who may be who your program is um, defined for is sitting in front of you. So I think that was very like powerful and moving and um, incredible for um, the women who were there. Um, and like the people in general, not just the women. But I think I really appreciate that for um, in the train because I think the world has become such a place, right? I think with with social media as well. Like, I mean, you may have heard of all the algorithm that goes into you know all of your social media and defining everything according to the way you like it and understanding you as a person, the data that they collect. And so the world is becoming more and more like. Honestly, I I think it's becoming very binary for like everyone in the sense that whatever I see is in line, it's in alignment with what I think. So I think the rest of the world also feels and thinks the same as me because that's the kind of media that I'm getting all the time. So if I am liberal and I keep getting um, messages from, you know, uh, liberals all across the board, then it's, it's not the best scenario because I am not being challenged and I'm not um, being given the chance to learn from a different perspective. But I think the train was not like that. The train brought people together who thought very differently from each other, had very different experiences all onto the same board with just the one common like thread, which was social entrepreneurship. 
and that was very interesting for me to see as an indian it was also very interesting cuz the train did stop at like um the big cities so it stopped at delhi and it stopped at mumbai and it stopped at bangalore but we also went to like uh villages and towns um we also went and the most amazing thing is that we do this train uh ride at the end of december going into january and geographically like i was blown away with india because we started our journey in mumbai and we went to the south and it was so hot and sweaty and it was so difficult uh while going to the south cuz we were all just sweating the whole time right and it was just very very hot and then within 3 days once we started our journey up north everything had changed like the layers started like once we we started from the bottommost uh part of india and we started going up and every like i think 6 7 hours we would have to put on another layer of clothing on us and within just two days or three days like we were freezing i was under five layers and i was still shivering in uh, uttar pradesh when we reached over there so that was also like very yeah i think it it was just like a really incredible experience if i look back at it um i was a facilitator on the train um so my responsibility was also to work with my entire cohort and my cohort was focused on energy and even though i was a facilitator i think the cool thing is that um and this is the difference again a difference between apy and jagrati yatra i think jagrati yatra is a little more it's at a higher level than apy in terms of where you are in building your organization because apy i think lays the foundation of you starting to understand something about asia uh, sorry ab- about entrepreneurship of course now over the years we've come to a point where people are pitching like their organizations either if they are in existence or they're incubating it and they're talking about that experience but with jagrati yatra what happened is that we got people who are actually working in the industry so in my group what happened is that the way that they built the organization before pitching so at jagrati yatra you have to pitch your idea in front of judges um and you do this like once you stop at one of the destinations and my team who is working um to solve a problem um in the energy sector the cool thing is that you form an organization within your group where you define a role for yourself so you define whether you're a technical officer whether you're the ceo whether you're going to be a communications person and so it is very targeted so when the judges are asking you questions like you can clearly see which department it's going to and how these departments function with each other which was a great learning experience for me i think i learned more than i was ever able to help anybody in that group but yeah i was very lucky that i i got a wonderful bunch of people to work with cool yeah um and so i mean building on cuz we speak we spoke about a lot of communities programs networks and also we spoke a bit about social media but for the wrong reason i i just watched the social dilemma so i'm not sure if you watch it uh, it's a bit scary um but yeah you also I mean I, I don't know if you call yourself like this but you're sort of social media influencer no I mean <laughs> you you always f- promote SDGs uh, on Instagram and and when you have this when you do it I mean so wait let's let it, it's structured on because you're also with like organization called Global Merit I mean I think Global Merit yes. like, ah, uh, <laughs> 
small merit yeah small merit small merit um which is another community you are part of but i guess it's it, it gives you the opportunity to connect everything right together I, i don't know if um you mean on social media or with world merit um so yeah okay let me rephrase my question um <laughs> so you know now now that and we didn't even speak about we do yet but <laughs> in general <laughs> I'm just so flash forward a bit but you know that you know you it's a question I ask myself as well you know because you've been part of so many communities from Teach for India uh, I lost track APYE JY we do global uh, uh, world merit uh, uh, the Miss Earth and I'm sure more that I don't even know um You know, so for, you know, from 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 this, what? Because also when you were heading to the Miss Earth uh, final, I mean, you didn't know, but you were doing all these things to build on something, you know, on your advo climate advocacy as well as your pageant experience. But, so I'm wondering, what are you trying? What do you hope to build after you know joining all these communities? I think so obviously when you're going through the experience it's difficult to connect the dots between teach for india and a pageant they look like they're world apart and they are in many ways um but i think one thing that i have built a lot through all experiences is leadership um i think when i started like i started as a fellow at teach for india and then i was an associate so obviously like there was a manager and then a senior manager and then a director and then the ceo over me so like that's the hierarchy of where i was working at at that point of time and <clears throat> obviously like since i just started like my uh career at that point of time um i was in a lot of ways like i didn't take a lot of um initiative or i did not think that what i had to say had value um or had a lot of value and other people had more important things to say um i was i was pretty quiet i think in a lot of ways when when it came to like uh the workplace and with teach for india i think i learned a lot about community building i learned a lot about um empathy about gratitude um and the experience generally humbled me a lot um it made me break a lot of my biases um about what i thought about myself about communities about other teachers and it made me realize that everyone's going through something and you don't necessarily always understand what they're going through but you've got to be open to listening and open to learning at all points um at teach for india i also learned to be very receptive to feedback but also realize what feedback i'm getting reflect on what i need to improve upon um and be proactive in asking for feedback with people i directly work with so these were some like amazing leadership skills that i learned at teach for india um everything i think that i was lacking in terms of how i was working at teach for india in terms of like taking more initiative at work or not speaking or thinking that i didn't have value to add i think that changed with the pageant um because the pageant required me to tell my story even though a very confusing story but it required <laughs> me to be able to tell my story over and over again and refine my story and um it it required me to stay calm in the face of people saying 
things about me that were difficult to digest it required me to not act out when people were saying things that or be emotionally reactive when people were saying things that were upsetting um it required it it taught me to have grace under pressure um uh it also like like it built so much like confidence in myself in terms of like reaching out for things that you need or um saying your mind or um learning more to form an opinion before just like having an opinion um and with all the work that i did on my own the thing about taking initiative like that was all that my two years of like working towards um you know representing india was because i was not with an organization i was my organization i was my own brand so i had to reach out to schools i had to reach out to universities and say i'm a finalist with miss earth like i would love to speak at your place and let let children know more about um the environment um or write to different organizations working with the environment and say hey i have interned with the worldwide fund for nature before and i have worked with this people before and this is the experience i have do you have any opportunities that i can take so taking that initiative like increased a lot um and just that time and i don't think people understand or value like gaps that people take when you think about taking a gap year a lot of people think oh you know how am i going to justify the fact that i took a gap to my next employer um and people think okay so if you take a gap you're just sitting and watching tv for one year which is not true gap year essentially means that you take a time off from what you're doing to do other things maybe not a full time job that would help you grow and i am very proud of my gap years i would say because i think that the networks that i have the community i've been able to build for myself would not have been possible um and the confidence and um the initiative that i have now would not have been possible with like if i had not done that for myself um so yeah i think like what the larger thing like i don't i don't know i am interested in entrepreneurship i do envision myself leading an organization one day i think it's going to be in the social development sector either like working for the environment or at an at the intersection of gender and education but i still have a you know have some time to go before reaching that place um in terms of the long term i know i know the um, i know the things that i value now like i know that i value fairness and justice like a lot like it it makes me angry when things are not going right not just for me but for another community or um if you know people are being harmed or if animals um in a sense like if i you know the the jung jungles are burning like if the amazon rainforest is burning and the fact that we have become so normalized to that you know like at the beginning of the year it was like oh my god the amazon is burning and today it's like okay so the amazon is burning and also the siberian forests are burning and indonesia just burned and now there were california fires we are getting so normalized to things that are apocalyptic that it's scary to me um so i knew i know that i i value those things i value justice and fairness but i also value significance for myself like i know i'm ambitious in the way and i'm not sorry about saying that i want to be significant i want to not be mediocre um i am not scared to say that anymore i think earlier i used to think that it's a very arrogant thing to say but no i think significance matters to me the um, the fact that i'm that that um i'm able to influence someone even if it's it's just one person um the fact that um in the work that i do 
people come to me and find me a reliable source of whatever the role that I'm playing is that's important to me and which is why I think with my current organization we do I've been able to do um a great job in the job that I have and I love it um so if you look at notes from my appraisals from my managers in two different organizations you will see that everything that um we were reflecting upon like at that point of time at teach for india the things that i should have been doing my manager now would have said that i do very well right now and so that i'm very proud of and i think even though like you like for the life of me i could not connect the dots between a teach for india and a pageant while i was going through it i see the connection clearly now i see the connection of the skills that i have learned in a pageant um and how i can utilize it in the work that i do today which um wouldn't have been possible if i had not done that i would have just i would have grown in an organization maybe in a different way but it would have been different for sure and can you share a bit what is the work that you are doing today <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god um yes yeah, so through apy so at apy i met different organizations and um what happened is that once i was getting close to my one year of my pageant contract being over uh once i knew that you know the next miss earth is going to be selected i was like okay i need to i need to find something for myself i need to what do you what do i want to do and i wanted to go back to the social development sector and so i um looked into different organizations across india where i wanted to work at the same time what happened is that with apy and the connections that i had made there was an opportunity to be a consultant at the un at that point of time um in thailand um and oh my god like growing up like in a small city like and being uh you know doing a pageant and after that somebody saying there's an opportunity for you at the un like that's super exciting um but what that did was that it opened my mind to be working outside of india so i had never thought that i would i mean i had thought that maybe in the future sometime i would be working out of india but when i was looking for jobs i didn't think at that point of time that i would be working out of india so it opened my mind and i was like oh so there's this opportunity um and i was in converse i i was in talks but i think financially it was not making a lot of sense for me because i think once you're a consultant with the un you're like you're paid by the project and not like a salary every month um and at that point in time i didn't have savings for me to like you know sustain myself in bangkok with like being paid once in 3 months um and so i thought to myself even though like the pay was decent i was like okay i can't sustain myself like this but let me look at like other places as well and at the same time like i had remembered at apy in the same year when i was a facilitator at apy i had met these incredible women from vidu so um and some of my friends at apy had also been a rising star at vidu i didn't understand what that meant at that time but i just gone up to them at apy on mentor day so they these women had come to mentor like be delegates of apy in bangkok and i went to them and i asked them like how are you and i've heard about we do and they were very kind and very sweet and they told me a little bit about the organization so i started at the, around this time i started looking into we do as well and then i saw that they had a position open that i thought i could do so i applied and i wrote a really charged like cover letter i remember and i was very emotional when i was writing that cover letter because we do has a vision that i really 
resonated with. It, the vision is that um, half of all world leaders would be women in the future and should be women in the future. And another like really important thing that we do believe is, is in that all women who strive to reach their full potential should have the opportunity to do so. And I think that's how my parents have raised me, right? Like, even though I come from a smaller city where there is like gender inequity, where uh, boys are sometimes given more preference than girls, uh, in, in, you know, and given more independence than women in deciding things for their lives. Like my parents always, and we are two daughters, I have an elder sister. My parents always encouraged me to like, you know, go out of the house and go, you know, expose myself to different opportunities. And even though I have just been dropping like huge bombs at home, just saying, I'm studying the media. No, now I'm teaching and now I'm modeling. So like these conversations like were not the easiest to have at home. As in like, I took a lot of time to even say them out loud in the first place, but they, they have been really supportive and that's made a huge difference to my life. And so I really resonated with the vision of Vidu and I wrote like a really nice cover letter about why I want to work with them. And then they had some pre-work and then they had three interviews and then I got the job and I was super excited. And then I moved to Bangkok um, and I've been working with them um, for the past two years now. I complete two years on 15th October this year. Um, I have had two exceptional managers um, who have given me the space to grow. I moved into, I was in one role last year and I took on another role this year. So now I'm in a combined role in which I help to select, um, I reach out to women across Asia um, through different universities and organizations. If anybody listening has an organization like that, uh, please connect with me. But I reach out to different women across Asia, tell them about our programs, and then um, work on the entire selection process. And then I also select mentors from all over the world and match them together um, so that they can work together on their goals and their leadership development. So I've been working with them and yeah, that's, I think that's where I am right now. We finally reached where I am <laughs> right now, but yes, because of the, because of the pandemic, I've had to move um, back home. Like I actually moved before the pandemic. So I think the timing really worked out for me, uh, but I've been at home and I've been working from home, but uh, I have strong time ties with every, everyone in my team and we've been working well together um, so far. Yes, that's where we are now. So, what is? So we finally reached the present. <laughs> so, I have few questions about the future. Uh, now that we are approaching two hours of of discussion, um, what is? What are some questions that you are asking yourself these days? One question I'm definitely asking is in terms of my education and what I want to learn. Um, I want to study further and I'm just trying to understand. So my last degree was in media, but all the work that I've done since like has largely been in the development sector. And so I am looking to learn more, but I think if you talk about the long term, like I said, I want to be leading organizations. Now I'm not sure if this is going to be my own organization or another organization that I'm leading, but I see myself leading teams to work for communities um, in the future. I think in the next five, five years, that's what I want to reach. Like 
in a leadership role where i'm managing like not just one team but like different teams to work together towards like a an outcome that means something to me and to the rest of the team as well um so yeah i want to grow as a leader and as an organizer um for sure um i want to and like i know there's also the question of how you leverage like social media i think it's a great tool but at this point i'm taking a break from social media to kind of know i want to take some time to understand what who who i am as a brand um what do i care about um how do i want to uh you know present myself to the world because so far it's been everything that i've done like my account on instagram as well it's like a personal account of whatever's happening in my life and that's been great so far because there's a lot that's happened in my life in the last few years um but i think going forward i want to i want that medium to be um like a message in itself um that you know this is what it means this is who i am and this is what you can hear more about from me and hopefully become like a more credible source of information in that specific field or for that specific thing so yeah i want to uh, lead in my organization and outside of it i guess that's so, my plan so it's great actually my next question is really linked to what you just said uh so what well, how, how do you want people to know you for and to remember you for and i think it's perfectly linked to what you just said about thinking oh about God. your that own branding such a like that's such a existential question yes. that's a really difficult question that, that like i said i'm i'm figuring that out um it's not easy for me because of the fact that i've had many different experiences but um i think those experiences have also equipped me to come to a conclusion about it so i think i'm somewhere in the middle i don't have an answer to that question but i'm comfortable not having that answer right now because i think it will take me a little bit of time to just like move away from because i think these days what's happening is like there's so many platforms to talk at that you and there's so many issues because now you know about all these issues right earlier you had like the most immediate issue that was affecting you that you cared about and you did something for now all of this information is right in your face every day all the time and so you want to talk about like so many things right so in the past i've like i've spoken for like zero hunger and i have talked about education i've talked about gender equality like and now become an ambassador for four or five places one is related to the sdg one is related to good health one is related to giving devices to children in india who don't have access to online classes or don't have devices at home but there are many like different things happening um i think uh, as in terms of value like i've been very sure and clear about the fact that how like one of the things that i always filter out is what i want to talk about on my social media obviously i'm talking about my life but i've restricted it very much to promoting causes and not specifically promoting brands because as a pageant title holder you always have the opportunity of different brands approaching you and saying can you put a picture with this um you know with these shoes and you know this makeup and what not but and and i think that's a great opportunity nothing wrong with that but um i've been very like clear since the beginning about like the fact that i want to promote causes um but i think that if i want to grow my reach that i need to kind of decide where that message is coming from um decide like why should people listen to me 
and not somebody else why should people follow me and like then work on what that means for like people who may be following me so yeah that's not clear yet um but at least i think i'm on the right path so i'll figure it out as we go along and it's okay to not have all answers it's okay because i'm definitely a person who every year for the past few years have thought oh my god i have to do 38000 things this year and if i don't do it this year the world will end and that feeling is natural i think a lot of people feel that that you know i've not done this and i've not done this and then this i have to do it this year but i think in the last two years i've been like it's okay one thing at a time i'm going to learn this thing this year and i'm going to leave everything else that i want to do for later and i think that really helps me because then i'm able to do that one thing properly because mm-hmm. earlier i was just trying to do all 38000 things together and none of them were getting done <laughs> yeah i'm sorry like this isn't a clear answer but i think that's where i'm at no yeah no i mean it's yeah you're working on it and um i guess it was also one question that you are asking yourself and yeah i mean it's as you said uh, you'll come back to lifeline in 10 years when you <laughs> you are ceo of your tech startup and I, i will ask you again um, yeah you must and yeah my and as a so yeah um, i so wait uh, let me <laughs> So I usually ask this question to to conclude uh which is what 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 could be three hashtags that you would select to describe yourself Oh my god can I get can I get back to you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> three hashtags to describe myself Hmm Oh my god that is a really tough question Can I can I take 28 hashtags? <laughs> okay. Um I'm I'm going to take 30 seconds. Give me. Yeah, yeah, take seconds. no worries, no worries. Uh, yeah, hashtags describe myself. Wow. Um, <laughs> um I don't know if you can describe yourself with the word I think I think one hashtag would have to be experiential because I just like if I want to do something I just go ahead and do it and I don't worry about how things are going to connect because I've always learned something. Um that's my number one hashtag. Um and the other two word have to be can we just stick to one experiential <laughs> <laughs> all right the one hashtag is experiential yes i think if that makes any sense i don't know if people can describe themselves as experiential but i'd say that because i think that's largely defined my life in the past decade at least yeah wow in the past decade oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Sure. Cool. Thank you so much, Shan. Um where can people find you, connect with you and 
why should they connect with you? You mentioned we do, but maybe there will be other interesting things. Okay. Um, yes. Then my hashtags for why you should connect with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, sustainable development goals, storytelling, um, and third hashtag could be, I don't know, just because you want to. <laughs> I just, whatever the reasons are. I think my main hashtags would be like, you can connect to me over sustainable development goals. I really value that. Um, second, over storytelling. I want to be a good storyteller. Um, if you're a good storyteller, if you want to discuss anything about storytelling. And the third could, I think I would stick to education. Like that's something that I'm, education and environment. If that goes together, then that's my third hashtag. All right. So should they send you a message on Instagram, on LinkedIn? Okay. Or... So the cool thing is that I am, uh, I don't know if I should spell it, but it's Shan Suhas Kumar on all platforms. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Just... LinkedIn. So I am just Shan Suhas Kumar everywhere. Um, and that's my handle, not just my name. So um, it's S-H-A-A-N. S-U-H-A-S-K-U-M-A-R. So if you do at Shansuhaskumar on Instagram, you'll find me. If you do facebook.com slash Shansuhaskumar, you'll find me. Uh, at Shansuhaskumar on Twitter and on LinkedIn, I think you'll just have to type the whole name in the search box and you'll find me. So yeah, easy peasy. <laughs> All right. So yeah, everyone, uh, reach out to Shansuhaskumar on every possible platform to speak about storytelling, SDGs, and education. Or anything. Pageants cool. as well, or anything that Pageant. you've heard about in this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I could give 10 more hashtags, for sure. <laughs> um, cool, yeah, no, thank you so much, Shan, for this super intense conversation. I really loved it. And uh, yeah, see you in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, please see me before that. But <laughs> you can, yeah, see you on Lifeline in 10 years, or maybe five years. Let's see. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Shan. Thank you, Dan Long. Thank you so much for listening to the intense and amazing journey of Shan. And yeah, she said, feel free to contact her and reach out to her for anything that might have resonated with you during this interview. And also, please do tell her if you enjoyed it so that she can know. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Lifeline on the platform that you are currently using. And... It would be amazing if you can share with your friends and share the story of Shan to an even bigger audience. In the next episode, you will be meeting Gladys, a fearless filmmaker from the Philippines who co-founded Development Innovation Insider, which is a content creator and solution provider for the bottom of the pyramid. Here is an extract and see you next time. I just really want people to know that I'm this person who came from the province of the Philippines, a small town, you know, in the mountainside. And I did my best to become who I want to be. And I created something that, you know, you wouldn't even imagine creating. And I want to spread that positivity. I want to spread that inspiration to the young people, especially those who are in the grassroots, you know, that they can really live their dreams. At the same time, they can impact their own communities as well if they want to. So in this world where consumerism and capitalism is a big thing. You don't have to be sucked into that because you can do your own thing. 
and just be brave and learn a lot from your experiences. So right. I think I would love people to see me as that, you know, a driven person and fearless person. I just really look back to my life before, you know, <laughs> like you, if you're in the from from the grassroots, you won't even imagine doing things like this, you know, traveling around the world and stuff. So yeah, I just really want people to know that you can do it. 